the one and only Cliff Richard and the Hi, this is David Ghosty Wills, and welcome to episode 23 of the We Say Yeah podcast, a monthly, unofficial Cliff Richard and the Shadows fan podcast where we review and discuss every single EP and LP in semi-chronological order. First order of business, how you doing? It's been a month since uh, we last chatted. What's been going on? Oh, uh, my thanks to Darren Price for allowing me to guest host on Cliff Richard Radio on his Rise Up program. I had a lot of fun doing that, and maybe some of you who listen to that are listening to this podcast for the first time, so welcome aboard. This month, Vic Rust is back with us to talk about the Foot Tapper and Atlantis singles from The Shadows, Cliff Richard's Holiday Carnival EP, and the Lucky Lip single. But first, a couple of reviews and reactions from our Facebook page called We Say Yeah, which is quickly becoming a really good place online for serious discussion about Cliff Richard and the Shadows, along with the usual tomfoolery. These comments are all regarding the summer holiday episode with Darren Price uh, that was last month's show. Jim Nugent writes, I fully agree with Darren about Round and Round as the best of the three Shadows instrumentals on the soundtrack. I really do believe that it ought to have been the next single A-side after Dance On and have said so many times. An oddity noticeable on the stereo pressing of the album and on the original Music for Pleasure CD re-release is that for the trad jazz interlude during Stranger in Town, the audio is reduced to mono and placed in just one channel. Very startling. The later full-price EMI expanded version of the CD has a more conventional mixing technique by Keith Bessie, I think, as well as extra tracks including that bazooki version of Summer Holiday from the end of the film. As for the sparsity of the Shadow's involvement in the movie, it has been suggested by Jet when he was with us that for the young ones, it was intended that Jet would have taken the part played by Melvin Hayes, with Hank in the role eventually awarded to Richard O'Sullivan. Jet theorized that his drinking problem, even as far back as 1961, was seen as making him unreliable and was instrumental in ABPC casting pucka actors in those and other parts. This must have also affected the other ABPC films, though when they moved to United Artists for Finders Keepers in 1966, all four shadows were fully involved throughout the film. Thanks so much for that comment, Jim, and he'll be back on the show at some point in the future, you can guarantee it. Dagmar writes, Cliff comes along and suddenly the world is a better place, end quote. So true, Darren Price. I loved this comment and I'll put it on my list of most famous words. It was such fun to listen to both of you and it really made me want to watch it again right away. I surely will do next time. Thanks to both of you giving so much information about it and giving me the feeling and spirit of how it must have been at the time. We'll be looking forward to the next episode for sure, David. Very well done. Thanks so much for that, and of course the next episode is here, and thanks again to everyone who left a comment on Facebook and Twitter and sent an email to podcast at gmail.com or left a comment on our Podbean page, like Ani Mendina, Sed Xquag, and Xes or whatever. I, you gotta love these consonant-heavy auto-generated handles that Podbean <laughs> gives to people who I guess don't have their own handle yet, so that's a temporary handle. Hopefully you recognize yourself in the midst of all those non-vowels. 
All right. As mentioned, we're going to talk to Vic Rust in just a moment. But before we do, I want to introduce you to Elisa Shaw. Elisa, welcome to the show. Thank you. I'm so glad you're here. So (laughs) one of the things I like to do every now and then is I like to go on YouTube and I like to type in Cliff Richard in the shadows and see what videos are out there. You know, there are TV performances, sometimes different live versions Mm -hmm. or just different versions of songs I'm in the mood to listen to. So I was looking for, I was scrolling through YouTube, looking for different versions of It's Gonna Be Okay. Oh. (laughs) And I keep scrolling and I see, and you'll have to forgive me, it's my age here, but I see what looks like a kid. Oh, no, no problem. In a a Cliff Richard t-shirt, singing along to this record. The video I saw it was done some time ago, right? Yes. So how old are you now, if you don't mind my asking? Oh, no problem. I'm 20 right now. And when did you start making videos? About six years ago, I believe. So when I was around 14. Yeah, back when you were 14, now you're 20. How does someone who's 14 discover Cliff Richard? Well, my, my mom is Peruvian, so she's originally from Peru. And um, she grew up in the 80s and that's when dreamin was really popular Mm -hmm. and she always just kind of kept that song around and then as i got i say older but as i like became a teenager it i just always loved 80s 90s 70s music and so that song would just keep playing i would play it over and over again and you know my mom loved it and then i just started like going down a cliff rabbit hole and then i found all of his other songs and i really liked the meaning behind all of them and I loved how like timeless they were. Do you have, aside from Dreamin', do you have a favorite Cliff Richard song? I think my favorite song would have to be Visions. Just because I I had a dog that passed away as my childhood dog. His name was Panda, and I had him from ages seven till nineteen. So we mm-hmm. had him for a while. And um whenever he died, that was like one of the first songs I heard afterwards. Of course I'd known it before, but it had just popped up in like my shuffle music. And it oh. just makes me think of him. And I really miss no, him. No, that's a, lot, a good reason. Always, right. Um, but I, I love that song and I think, I just think it's beautiful. The way his voice sounds is so smooth and genuine in that song. I mean, for all of them, but I feel it a lot more in that one. When will we meet again? When, when, when I remember How many Cliff songs do you think you've covered on your channel? Quite a few. I'd have to go back and double check, but mostly it was songs that I really liked and my mom really liked and we talked about them together about which songs would be good for that week or, you know. 
I'm going to take a wild guess and say that your friends in high school probably had no idea who Cliff Richard was and no. were <laughs> utterly baffled by your song choices on your YouTube channel. They just didn't get it. They would just be like, like Cliff, like, who's this guy? <laughs> but um, my friends have always been really supportive in terms of like, even if I was singing something they didn't really get or understand or even like, to be honest with you, they would still always be like, oh, that sounds nice. <laughs> well, that's good. That's good. And uh, what type of music are you listening to these days? So I'm really into a band called Beach Bunny. I'm tired of being anxious, They're definitely more modern. Um, they are an indie rock band. And I love songs like that, or I like stuff like Paramore. Um, but I, it goes, I mean, I love everything. I, I'm going to school for musical theater in New York. So I like listen to so much. A lot of us do here. But I would say mostly what I listen to daily is either musical theater songs or indie, indie rock. And then, of course, Cliff. You mentioned going to school for musical theater. Let's talk a little bit about that. Maybe you could show me how to let go. Lower my guard. Learn to be free. Maybe when you whistle, whistle for me. Yes. So I've been singing since I was about six. My parents put me into music and I just really loved it growing up. So I continue to stay with music. And then I started recording the videos whenever I had gotten a private voice teacher. That was what kind of kickstarted the videos. I'd always wanted to do something in music since I was so little, but I really doubted myself for the longest time. So I ended up going to Mount St. Mary's University in Emmitsburg, Maryland for a year for psychology. And then I had an opportunity to come to New York and I was given a scholarship. Um, but it sounds to me like you're going for it. Yes, 100%. I'm really grateful to, you know, my mom and my parents and my family, friends, everybody, because everyone's always been like, you should do this, you should do this. And I was always the one that was like, no, I don't know, because what if nothing comes of it? And everyone's just like, just do it anyway, if this is what you love, you know, the experience you get out of something like this. I mean, I could have never imagined I'd be in New York City for school for musical theater to try and be on Broadway one day. Well, when Cliff started out, he was just 17. And look at him now, it, it turned into a 60-year career. I know, it's so impressive. So who's to say that you can't have the same kind of career? Thank you. And thank you so much for having me on and for talking to me and for all your kind words. I very much appreciate it. God bless. And God bless you, too. You can find Elisa's many Cliff covers at Maria Shaw 4064 on YouTube. And her more recent videos are on a channel called Elisa M. Shaw on YouTube. Go check them out. And now on to our conversation with Vic Rust, author of the Cliff Richard Recording Catalog. <laughs> Let's start with a song that 
we talked about on the previous episode, Foot Tapper. It was used in the film Summer Holiday. And this is a different version. This was recorded on January 8th, 1963. Of course, written by Hank and Bruce. It was released in March of 1963. And it was a number one single. Why did the Shadows go ahead and re-record this song? Basically, the version that was for the uh, soundtrack for Summer Holiday, what happened was it was quite rushed, is what um, Bruce Welsh has said about it. And nothing more than a demo, really, is, is what he said uh, for the film. So what they did was take time to do a different style of arrangement and so on, which is why, which is why they then had more time to actually polish it off. And I think it works better as a result. It does sound more polished and it's peppier and it's certainly longer. It's yes. longer, <laughs> longer than the uh, album version. I think the background to this, because we didn't really talk about it in the Summer Holiday podcast, but the shadows were approached by Jacques Tati. That's it, yeah. The famous French filmmaker and comedian, uh, a star of Mon Uncle and Mr. Hewlett's Holiday. Yes. To record some background music or a theme or something along those lines for a film, and it just never happened. That's right, yes. And when it came to Summer Holiday, they wanted uh, extra material, and they thought, oh, we could dust off this one that we kind of were working on for the Jacques Tati project, and, and then uh, obviously embellished it for, for the single. There are always so many film connections to The Shadows that sometimes I feel like I'm yes. doing a movie podcast because <laughs> I'm always bringing up some sort of... Connection, a, yeah. Right. They're either covering a theme for a movie or doing a song in a movie or uh, yes. you know, uh, some Jacques Tati project that, that, that never materialized. So it's a great song. I already mentioned that it's my second favorite Shadows track ever, Foot Tapper. I just love it. Flipping that record over, I love the B-side too. The Breeze and I, this is a revival of, a, of an older song written by Ernesto Lacuono, I think? Yes, and Al Stillman. This was recorded on June 12th, 1962. This is a song that's been recorded by pretty much everybody, certainly in the 1940s. And Jimmy Dorsey, I guess, his orchestra had the biggest hit with it. The Breeze and I are whispering goodbye to Ours was a love song that seemed constant as the moon, ending in a strange mournful tune. Bob Eberly was the singer on that 1940 recording by Jimmy Dorsey, and then in 1955, the singer Katerina Valente had a huge hit record in Britain. It went to number five. The breeze and I are whispering goodbye to dreams we used to share. Ours was a love song that seemed constant as the moon ending in a strange mournful tune. 
And that probably would have been the best-known version when this was recorded in 1963. I think the shadows take it in a really interesting direction, maybe pointing away toward the Los Shadows EP later in the year. Yes, they had an affection for Spain and Portugal. I mean, obviously, they they recorded albums there as well with Cliff. Um, And they actually loved the rhythms of of, of that particular area. Um, And that comes out in Lost Shadows and also various other recordings, such as The Breeze and I. And I have to say that listening to previous versions of The Breeze and I, I think The Shadows do a much superlative version. As they often do when they're reviving a song. Yes. Uh, They really give it new life. And we'll talk a little bit about that in terms of Cliff as well when we get into the Holiday Carnival EP. Yes. One other thing I I always like to point out, uh, Bruce Welsh is is a fantastic and and I think underrated rhythm guitarist. And I think that Breeze and I actually shows just how good he is. He just keeps the pace moving along nicely. Agreed. So let's talk about the second single on the menu today, Atlantis, the next A-side. This was released in May of 63, recorded late 62, and this is another Jerry Lorden composition, which the shadows really turn into something special here. And they're augmented with Nori Paramore strings, and also these ethereal female backing vocals. I know that female backing vocals is not a popular subject on this (laughs) podcast, but in this case, it works. It's an instant classic. Indeed. recording sheets the uh, backing vocals are uncredited i'm pretty sure it must be the mike sam singers because they were involved in so much of cliff and shadows stuff at the time and just to give everyone an idea of how popular the shadows were in 1963 atlantis was a top 10 record in australia denmark hong kong ireland israel the netherlands new zealand norway south africa sweden and it hit number two in the uk yes So let's flip this record over, and we have an original by Hank Marvin called I Want You to Want Me, not to be confused with the Cheap Trick song, I Want You to Want Me. This was recorded on May 1st, 1963. It's been a long time since the Shadows have had a vocal on a single, and it's a really good one. We talked about how popular the Shadows were in 1963. There was another group that was getting very popular. And as much as I hear the Everly Brothers, as I always do whenever the Shadows have a vocal on a record, I also hear the heavy influence of the Liverpool sound. Anytime you're feeling low, and you've got no place to go, come out of 
Exactly. I was going to say there's Merseybeat running all the way through this uh, arrangement. The other thing I noticed is around May of 63, the Beatles single From Me To You would have been their current hit. Yes. And this record, I Want You To Want Me, maybe it's because of the acoustic rhythm guitar on it. It sounds like what the Beatles would do the next year on A Hard Day's Night with John playing the acoustic rhythm. I think also the Beatles, in some ways, they might have been influenced by the Shadows. I mean, certainly they thought that they were a great band. I think that there's a cross-influence going on here. I think it's got that certain magic redolent of that period that, that, that it would have been a, a hit in its own right. I agree. If this had been an A-side for Jerry and the Pacemakers, it would have been a huge hit record. Yes. So we'll set the shadows aside for a moment, even though they factor into uh, the EP we're about to discuss. But great work from the shadows, two back-to-back great singles. Now we move on to Cliff Richard's Holiday Carnival EP, which was released in May of 1963. Another thematic EP, and more of those were to come, for sure, from Cliff and from the shadows. And as best as I can tell from my research, It was called the Holiday Carnival EP because they were still basking in the glow of the success of the film Summer Holiday. And also, Cliff and the Shadows were doing a summer residency at the ABC Theater in Blackpool, which was called the Holiday Carnival. That's right. That's exactly what it was. And according to the the sleeve notes on the back of the the EP, it suggests that uh, Cliff personally chose these four songs for the EP which he also chose for the Holiday Carnival um, gig in, in, in Blackpool. So let's talk about the first song, Carnival, released, uh, well, recorded rather, on December 6th, 1962. Now this is going to be tough here. The writers, Luis Bonfa, Hugo Peretti, Luigi Creator, and George Weiss. That last one, I'm guessing, is responsible for the English lyric. Yes, you're right. <laughs> right so... We start out with the original instrumental from the 1959 film Black Orpheus, Luis Bonfa, Mania de Carnival. Then later in 1963, Perry Como records a version. Cliff's version comes out first, but Perry Como records a version with the English lyrics by George Weiss, and his version of Carnival is released in October of 1963. I'll sing to the sun in the sky I'll sing Till the sun rises high Carnival time is here Then, a few years later, in 1966, the song has new lyrics again. Now it's known as A Day in the Life of a Fool, and Jack Jones has a big hit with it in 1966. A day in the life of a
But the version I knew best before I heard Cliff's original Carnival was Frank Sinatra's, his 1969 recording of A Day in the Life of a Fool. I walk the avenue And hope I'll run into The welcome sight of you Coming my way. Being a Frank Sinatra devotee as I am, anyone who knows me knows that I consider the voice of Frank Sinatra to be the most important sound of the 20th century. So it's going to be shocking what I'm about to say. (laughs) I prefer Cliff's version I prefer this treatment. I prefer this arrangement. I even prefer Cliff's vocal over Sinatra. I can't even believe I'm saying this. I mean, I'm I'm recording to you from New Jersey. I could get run out of town for saying this. <laughs> Will true love come my way on this carnival day? Or will I be alone with my dreams? I'll sing to the sun in the sky. No, I would agree with that. Yes. And and also I think Cliff is coming out of himself really, um, having moved away from the rock and roll genre to an extent and, and into ballads and, and, and so on. And he's actually um, flourishing quite a lot on, on the, this later material. Yes, this is a very sophisticated song. I mentioned this on the Summer Holiday uh, episode. Cliff, again, makes this sound effortless. Yes. And it is not. This is a very, very difficult song to pull off. And it, Yes, it's it, technically it, very difficult. Very difficult. And he does it but he makes it sound heartfelt. So there's great skill here, but it's still coming from the soul. You know what I mean? Yes, I agree. Wouldn't you love to to hear a recording of what he did in Blackpool? Yes. Just to make a comparison. Well, things seem to percolate and surface (laughs) over the years, so maybe somebody's got something. Yes, who knows? So the next cut on this, we leave the sublime. I'm not going to say we get to the ridiculous, but we uh, leave the sublime and we get to... What I think is a really nice version of Moonlight Bay, which was written by Edward Madden and Percy Wenrich, I think is the pronunciation. This was recorded December 12th, 1962. This is a song that I associate with barbershop quartets. And interestingly, this song was parodied by the Beatles on the Morecambe and Wise show less than two weeks before Cliff went into the studio and recorded this. Not that one has necessarily anything to do with the other, but this does have the potential of going off the rails and being cornball and embarrassing. But I like what Cliff and Nori Paramore have done with this arrangement because 
they've turned it into, I don't know, kind of a cha-cha. It's a very yes. modern sounding, for the time, record. We were sailing along on Moonlight Bay. We could hear the voices ringing. They seemed to say, You have stolen my heart. Now don't go away. Yes, I agree. And I have quite a lot of affection for this, this particular track. Uh, I, it, it it has it has something it it's it's redolent of the um the holiday period really in 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 my mind so i th- i think they've achieved that given the theme that's running across the whole ep so we're to assume that cliff performed this live this one as well yes i would like to know what what, what else was on there my my research hasn't come up with anything just yet well when we flip this ep over and we start with this, the first song on side 2 this would be a good one to bring back again some of these days written by Shelton Brooks recorded the same day as Moonlight Bay i'm more familiar with this song through Bobby Darren because i have the Darren at the Copa live album which is one of my favorite live albums and Bobby Darren's version is sort of <laughs> booze-soaked. Not that Bobby's drunk, but I mean, it has that Vegas nightclub uh, feel to it. By the way, I'm a huge Bobby Darren fan, almost as much as Cliff. I Someone should do a Bobby Darren podcast because he was a genius. Some of these days You're gonna miss me, baby Oh, play it, Lips Some of these days you feel so lonely You're gonna miss my hugging You miss my kissing You may even miss me, baby When I'm gone away That's not the case with Cliff's version. You know, if this had been recorded back when Cliff was doing the Cliff Sings album, Nori Paramore would have played it closer to the vest, but I feel that with Cliff's confidence... So does Nori Paramore's inventiveness also take flight. So yep. we get a little bit of that cha-cha flavor that I mentioned before. And there's something of an R&B thing happening here. But again, it's its own creation. It sounds like 63. Some of these days you miss me, honey. Some of these days you feel so lonely you miss my hugging ah you miss my kissing you miss me honey well yes it sounds fresh and it still sounds fresh as well all of these tracks do i mean they're so interesting and you know these eps are underrepresented on cd i know that some of the tracks were collated on the box set. Yeah, the 50th anniversary box set. Yeah. And then there was another collection of EP ballads. Yeah. I have both of those discs, but I'd like to see these EPs either released in a series of CDs or maybe something for Record Store Day, you know, where you re-release the EPs individually just as they were originally packaged because these are thematic collections and they make sense in this context and just like the dream EP that we talked about earlier, I mean, it's its own thing and it needs to be appreciated in the proper context. Well, who knows? I mean, is it his, 
he's coming up for for a number of uh, different anniversaries in the next few years. So who knows? Yeah, we're in we're in the sixtieth uh, anniversary of this EP, and we're just about to finish off with the last song on here. This is for you, for me, written by Bruce and Cliff. Yep. This is an older cut. This is from uh, April of sixty two, April 9th, This was recorded. Nice song, you know. I, I'm more tolerant of the female call and response backing vocals on maybe the more traditional songs like Moonlight Bay. This one, it gets on my nerves a bit. When you want true love, then come to me. I'll be waiting, baby, patiently for you. Nobody else to love. You know, baby, you can save your love for me. I mean, the shadows sound great, as they always do, but I can hear why this was left in the can for a while. To me, it doesn't um, really develop. Yeah, you know, Cliff and the Shadows have several songs that are similar in, in the same vein, but this one just doesn't work. And I don't know if it's. It, it's kind of got this theme for a dream thing yeah i I was going to mention theme for a dream you know syrupy strings and and the uh, female backing vocals it's it it doesn't always work for me sometimes it does but but in this uh, i I think it would have been a little better to to kind of put that further back in the mix maybe yeah maybe maybe i mean it's a quite happy sounding song even though the tenor of the lyrics is is about begging a girl to give him a chance but um who knows so We'll get to the last song we'll cover today, which I'm sorry, the last single that we'll cover today. And it's Lucky Lips, written by Lieber and Staller. This was recorded on March 8th, 1963. Originally cut by Ruth Brown in 1957. When I was just a little Cliff's version was released May 3rd, 63, and it went to number four in the UK. Here's another controversial statement. Cliff and the Shad's version is better. Oh, lucky lips Again, I completely agree with you. I, I, I think it's absolutely perfect for him. I mean, you could almost hear Elvis overtones in, in the performance of it. But for me, what really works is what the what Cliff and the Shadows did so well, which is vocal harmony. And if Elvis had put this out as a follow-up to maybe Return to Sender in 1963, he would have had a huge hit with it. I mean, this is tailor-made for Elvis. So, of course, Cliff does well with it, too. And it, it, the backing vocals of the Shadows, I mean, everything, the, the playing, the, the whole arrangement, the whole record is just uh, phenomenal. It's, it's probably in my top five of, of, of Cliff's songs, certainly from that period anyway. 
it's interesting uh, as a side note um during the 60s especially cliff was recording in in uh, a lot of european languages especially german he did a a german version of this song called uh, rote lippen soul mancusen which means red lips one must kiss which reached number 1 3 months after the english version also reached number 1 in germany doch es blieb nicht bei dem einen das fiel mir gar nicht ein und hinterher hab ich gesagt sie soll nicht böse sein rote lippen soll man küssen denn zum küssen the fates were not quite so kind in america where this single was released but in the US, with of course no promotion at all, which is what we're famous for, we don't promote anything. It went to, no. went, it went to number 62 in uh, the US, yeah. which is poor showing. And it, this was combined on, because it wasn't released until later in, uh, was it was in early 64 that it finally came out in America on Epic? But it was featured on the Summer Holiday soundtrack album, the U.S. version of Summer Holiday, which is a monstrosity. You know, it's just a a combination of tracks. I mean, some of them are in Summer Holiday, but I'm not sure what they were going for with that. Um, I suppose, as Americans, we should be grateful that it even came out. Yes. But his career here was just so mismanaged it's you could almost write a book on how not to do it yes it's, it's such a shame because i, I think he's uh, would have had an, an amazing career if he was handled correctly over there so we'll flip this record over and we get to a song called i wonder written by hank and cliff and this was uh, recorded march 8th 1963 i just criticized the female backing singers on for you for me on this they work you know, I think this song for me is the sleeper classic of the bunch. I love this song. <laughs> I, I, yep. I think this is a very, very strong song and maybe would have been better suited as an album track. I, I don't know. It's, it's really good. And again, Nori Paramore's string arrangements are getting more and more inventive. Wonder who she's kissing on her step tonight. I hope I'll never see her holding him real tight. I wonder is she dancing? Her lips closed. And again, there's there's a wonderful regimented rhythm guitar work from from Bruce. Which you can hear running all the way through, and and it's a such a catchy song, as well. I think it's wonderful. I I um I've had the fortune of uh, talking to Cliff on a number of occasions, and the last time I interviewed him for my book, he and I were talking about the the strength of his B sides over the years. I mean, he's had almost over one hundred and fifty of them, and. He said that he's often had a, had a thought of of just cherry picking what he considers to be the best B sides, and using that as the basis of a tour. I think that would work with "I Wonder." I agree, and it was a little disappointing when I bought the singles collection box set. It really should have been called the A sides collection box set. Yes. What a missed opportunity. <laughs> yes. So you mentioned your book, and as we start to wrap up here. 
Where can people go to get both of your books, your Cliff book and your Shadows book? Unfortunately, both of them are, are, are currently out of print. However, the good news is I'm working on a new edition, which is vastly expanded because it includes all manner of things such as um, chart information uh, and also um, videos because th there's a lot of, lot of uh, uh, wonderful material of him performing live on, on, on uh, videos and DVDs. So it's uh, it's uh, massively expanded, and that's what I'm working on at the moment. It's probably going to be later in the year um, that that, uh, that it gets published. Wow, that's fantastic! Now, for you to say massively expanded, I mean, this book is yeah, pretty it's big. Quite big, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so how how large a book are we talking? Uh, we're talking two volumes. Wow. Because the la the last edition, I have to say, uh, because of the amount of material and the amount of information that, that's um, had appeared since the previous edition, um, I was actually forced to take um, quite a bit out, you know, lists of things and, and, and so on that I would have loved to have kept in there purely because of space. Uh, but now I can put all that back in there, plus all the, the video information, plus loads more information about um, songs and singles and EPs and all that good stuff, which means that, yes, it's now going to be two volumes. Yeah, you've also got to include now the Christmas album, yes, uh, all all the things that have happened since. Exactly, there's a, there's a whole a whole bunch of live material coming from Dusty Tapes, which you can get from Leo's Den, uh, which is the place for Cliff and the Shadows stuff, plus a number of duets and so on that he's done with with the likes of uh, Carla Williams. There's a new one coming out. Um, if it, I think it might be out in the US already. It's coming out in the UK next week uh, with Anne Margaret their version of um, Can't Take My Eyes Off You, which I'm really looking forward to getting. So there's a whole bunch of stuff that, that he's done since, I think it's 2018 was when I last um, updated the editions. And, and so, you know, he's, he's not slowing down clearly anytime soon. <laughs> Well, that's going to do it for this month's program. Thank you so much for listening. Of course, you can email us. It's we say yeah podcast at gmail.com. Join us over on Facebook. Look for We Say Yeah. Same deal on Twitter. And next month, we're going to be covering the Shadows Greatest Hits LP, going track by track, as we usually do, with a guest. And, I, you know, you'll just have to come back next month and discover who that guest is. I will say this. It will be by far the longest episode of the podcast we've ever done. So that'll be next month on the show. Until then, have a great 25-ish uh, or so days, and uh, we'll see you next time. We say yeah. We say yeah. We say yeah.